Good morning, Calvary. Oh, I love it when I'm home. Love it when I'm home. You look so good. Now, if you know me, I love that story, the paralyzed man. And I've preached on it before, but believe me, this is a different sermon today. I found something new in that scripture, and I'm going to bring it out today. Um, we focus on the account of the man who was paralyzed. I love this story because it's such a fun visual, right? And, I, and I've shared this because the baby fold kids love this story because this poor guy, this poor pitiful man on a mat gets lowered through the roof, you know, which is just odd, right? It's, it's comical. This poor guy coming through the roof, you know? Um, my kids love to hear this story. Um, but this poor guy, let's just focus on this, this pitiful man. <laughs> Paralyzed, we don't know how long. We don't know what happened. Was he born this way? Was he kicked, you know, by a mule? We, we don't know. <laughs> Run over by a cart. We don't know what happened to this guy. Um, except that he's paralyzed and he has a mat and he's been laying on it. Um, we don't know, um, but we presume he begs for food. Um, he doesn't um, have a way to get from here to there. He doesn't have a job. He, he's just, um, he's stuck. He is dependent on charity to survive. A rather sad figure to be sure. I can't imagine such a life stuck on a mat without a way to get from here to there to make a life or to make a difference. Pitiful. Uh, I can't imagine being stuck. Have you ever been just really stuck? Um, I was thinking about it, you know, a time. Have I been really stuck somewhere? And, it, and I immediately thought of a time um, many years back, before I was even at the baby fold, I was music therapist in Connecticut. And I remember a time there when I was stuck. I mean, really stuck. True story. I never have to make this stuff up because my life is just this weird. Okay. So... Doing music therapy session, I worked then with developmentally disabled adults, older adults uh, this particular day. I was working with a, a woman, I'll never forget her name, Marie Billieu was her name. And Marie and I had wonderful music therapy sessions together. She was not very verbal, uh, quite low functioning, but she uh, could sing a bit with me and she could laugh. And she thought I was a hoot. I thought she was a hoot. And um, so we were doing a session, and I was finishing that session, and we always finished with this kind of goodbye song. So you can picture me sitting in a chair with my guitar. Some of you can actually see that, right? Got my guitar, and I'm singing the goodbye song, and she's there with me. And as I finished the song, uh, we always ended our session with a big hug. And so she leaned over to hug me, and I said something funny, and she started laughing. And because she was laughing so hard, she went into a seizure. <laughs> and that would have been okay, except as she went into this seizure and she had her arms around me, she had her arm around my neck, her hand clenched and choked me. No kidding. She was choking off my air and I could not breathe. I could not call for help. And Marie was seizing and I was not breathing and I thought, really? This is how I'm going out? <laughs> this is it? This is how I die? With Marie Billieu on top of me? This is how I'm going out? Seriously? I mean, honestly, I thought, this is it. Because I couldn't call for help. She couldn't help it. 
poor thing. And I'm thinking, well, all right, this is how I'm going to meet Jesus with Marie Bill you on me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And just then, as I was about to black out, no kidding, she let go and let loose of her bladder. And so I have a wet Marie you on me, but at least I could gasp for air and call for help. And people came running and they got Marie off of me and I could breathe and she went on me and whatever. Uh, but I survived. But boy, did I feel stuck. True story. God bless Marie Bilyeu. I'll never forget her. Can't wait to see her in heaven. <laughs> We're going to have a laugh over that. But I felt really stuck. And I mean, I just can't imagine feeling stuck like that all the time. I mean, this poor guy on a mat, stuck. Awful. So let's take a look at Luke 5, 17, just through 19. Quote, one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now this is quite the scene and we've pictured it many times, right? I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But first... I have some questions in my mind before we even get to that cool scene. Even before we get to that, how did this pitiful man have four friends in the first place? Do you ever think about that? How did this guy have friends? What was it about these four guys that made them have compassion for this paralyzed man? What was their connection in the first place? Did you ever stop and think about that? This is the kind of stuff that jumps out at me. <laughs> why, why were they connected at all? At that time, it was common. It was assumed that physical infirmity was the result of sin. That if you had something physically, some infirmity, there was sin in your life. If you were sick, it was because you had displeased the gods. That was a very pagan idea, right? If you had good fortune, it was because you had pleased the gods. People prayed to different gods for different purposes. Remember when Jesus and the disciples encountered the man born blind? Remember in that passage, the disciples said to Jesus, they asked him, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Remember that? It was just common. The disciples asked that question and Jesus set them straight. Neither, not this man nor his parents, sin. He disconnects sin from disability. Okay? Um, the, these four men had no reason to show compassion to this man. And yet they do. Somehow they do. No one would have expected these men to take notice of the paralytic. He was just a fixture in town, one of many, I'm sure, poor beggars who cluttered the streets of town. He was assumed to be a sinner because of his fate, deserving his plight. The man himself might have thought this. I must have done something 
I deserve this. But the friends saw something more in this man. Likewise, there must have been something about this man that made him different. This victim somehow attracted their attention in a positive way. He was a victim, but was it possible he had an okay attitude anyway? Was it possible he had a sense of humor? I don't know. Again, this is my holy imagination. Was he likable, even though he was dealt this bad hand? I don't know, but the four friends took note of him and developed enough of a relationship with him that in their rush to go see Jesus, maybe for a need of their own, they stop and they bring this man with them. Wow, they stopped. They pause in their own excitement to go see Jesus and they, and they take note of this guy. They have compassion for him and they set their own needs aside for a minute and they say, let's take this guy too. Let's take him to Jesus. Sometimes the hardest part, the hardest thing to do for us as Christians is to stop our role, stop for a second, take a breath, consider maybe somebody else needs what we have. Maybe somebody else needs Jesus too. Pay attention to somebody else. Imagine if these guys had just kept going and gone to see Jesus on their own. We wouldn't have this miracle, would we? We wouldn't have this lesson for us. But they stopped and they carried the man. It is no longer just about their excitement to see Jesus. They wanted this man to experience Jesus. And they weren't going to let anything stop them. The excitement level goes way up, doesn't it? I mean, I'm sure they're already jazzed to go see Jesus. They know about him. But now they're on a mission. Now they're like, imagine what Jesus can do for this guy. Oh my gosh. Here they go. And they create... You know, they're, they're bringing this guy, and they're so excited. They're going to they're gonna bring this guy through the door, and they're going to bring him right to Jesus. It's going to be so fun, and they're running with this guy. And I'm sure the guy's hanging on for dear life. Again, picture it. You know, and he's hanging on. You know, we know his legs don't work. I hope his hands do because he's hanging on to the sides. As they're running with him, you know, I'm sure it's just great. Okay, so now we get to this great scene, right? They get to the door, and they can't get in. It's just packed with people. And I'm sure the crowd sees this group of five, <laughs> these four guys and then a guy on a mat, and they're not going to let them in. Are you kidding me? I'm sure they like closed rank. They're not letting these guys in. No way. They're going to be able to push. They can't push past them. Pitiful. You're not getting there. That guy's a sinner, right? We're not, no way. We're letting these guys in. So they can't get in through the door. Guys, I have no idea. Maybe there's some men in the room that could figure out the engineering of we're going up on the roof. And we're going to let him in through a hole in the rook pit. Because, you know, we picture the hole being this big, right? Oh, they had to dig a little hole. No, 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 no. They had to dismantle the roof. This was a big hole. This was a man's side. This was big. And it didn't take five minutes. It took some time and some sweat. They had to remove tiles off of there and then dig through the mud and the dirt. The, I mean, this was, they took the roof off, basically. And it didn't just, you know, it'll take a minute. They had to take it off, okay, to get this full-sized, man-sized mat and the man 
through the hole, okay? So it wasn't this big. Okay, picturing it, okay? Took some time, took some energy. So they do that. Stuff's caving in, okay? Everybody's got, I mean, nobody's looking at anything. But if, I mean, imagine if somebody's digging a hole in the roof. They got our attention, right? But can you imagine how excited the guys are? Woohoo! You know, they're excited. They are, they are super excited. They have figured out, put ropes on it. We're going to lower him down. Pulleys, I don't know. Somebody else can explain that. Engineering of that. Pulleys. Lowering this guy. All right? Okay, so they got this great big hole. They're lowering the guy down. They're lowering him down. Now picture the guy on the mat who has for who knows how long viewed the world from the ground up. Now he's looking at the world from up here. Coming down, again, hanging on for dear life. Ah, right? Wouldn't it be the scariest thing in the world? Like, ah, hanging on. And it's not going to be like a smooth, it's, I mean, sure, don't you think? Is it just me? Don't you think it was like, ah. okay, so he's coming down, ah, like this. Okay, seeing the world from here, coming down, in front of Jesus. And, and as he's looking up at his friends, and they're looking through the hole, lowering him down, don't worry, dude, he's going to heal you. Don't worry. Don't worry. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Don't you worry. Don't be scared. He's, ah, don't be scared. Don't be scared. It's Jesus. You're walking out of here, buddy. You're going to walk out of here. Is he right? Is he right? 100%. 100%. The guy's, oh, 100%. Do you believe? Do you believe? Come on, Calvary, do you believe? Is he walking out of there? Rope drop. Rope drop. They're, there's no way they didn't drop the ropes. True? Drop the ropes. There's no way it's going to be like, wah, wah, pull them back up. No way. Not a chance. Rope drop. Their faith is 100%. And I bet you, because faith is contagious, everybody in that room believed he was going to walk out of there. Right? 100%. Raise your hand. 100%. Faith. Yes. 100%. Rope drop. And Jesus looks at the man, and he looks up at the friends, and he says, their faith, their faith, maybe even to the people in the room, your faith. Not the man, not, not the man, there. He's, it's plural, so it's not him, it's them. Their faith. He sees their faith. And he looks at the man and he says, your sins are forgiven. What? Did the air go out of the room? What? Everyone's expecting, get up. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, that's a good thing. I'm sure they were like, yay. But I bet the guy on the mat was like, what? Wait, what? Because everybody was like, woo, a healing's going to happen. We've seen him do it before. We're 100%. You were, so was I. 100%. Ah. And Jesus does something different, right? And we know the story. We knew it was coming. We read it twice. And still, we were hyped up about the healing, right? <laughs> because we're so hyped up about the presenting problem, not the deep problem, right? So, 
<clears throat> Let me catch up. <coughs> Jesus sees their faith. It takes a drink of water because it's desert. <clears throat> <coughs> The paralytic's presenting problem was his legs. <clears throat> was his legs. That's his presenting problem. His legs. Of course, he's paralyzed. That's the big problem. That's what's on his mind every day. It's his legs. But his primary problem is sin. And that's true of all of us. We have presenting problems. We have um, financial problems mental problems, social problems. We have problems, and God cares about them, and he can deal with them. But our primary problem is sin in our lives. The primary problem is we need restoration with God. That was the paralytic's primary problem, is restoration with God, more than restoration with his legs. Again, we have presenting problems, daily things that we bring to God, and they're real and God cares about them. But again, our need for restoration with God is primary. Peace with God and with ourselves and with others is primary to him. Jesus didn't come to add to the sum of our happiness. Jesus came to bring us holiness through him. Okay, so there's, turn our attention. There's also the teachers of the law are there. The Pharisees are there. And if you notice, they're seated, so they got there first. They're front row. They came early and got a seat, or people gave them a seat. They did clear space for them because they got a front row seat to the action because they're watching Jesus all the time, try to catch him. So there they are, front row seat, and, they are, and, and, they're, and there we're told what they're thinking, which I think is kind of creepy, <laughs> Jesus reads their minds. Do, 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 do. Um, and they're told, they say, who can forgive but God alone? Who can forgive but God alone? Because when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, they freak out. Who can forgive but God alone? And they're right. They're right. No one can forgive. They, blasphemy. They're right. No one can forgive but God alone. But they can't see is that God is standing right there, that Jesus is God incarnate. That's what they miss. Jesus is God, right? United Methodist Church, Jesus is God. <laughs> yeah, so they get that right. Jesus reads their minds and he says, why are you thinking these things in their hearts? Which I hope freaked them out a little bit. Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Hope that scared them a little. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and walk? Because really, think about it. That's a good question. It would be easy to say your sins are forgiven because you can't see it. You can't see your sins are forgiven. There's no proof of it. It's much harder to say, get up and walk. Either you're physically healed or you're not. Right? Visible proof. Verse 24 says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man... Don't miss the messianic title there. Jesus is calling himself the Messiah. He's calling himself God. I want you to see that the, know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So, he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. 
Immediately he stood up in front of them, finally, (laughs) took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. And you can bet the four friends were dancing on what was left of the roof then, right? Yeah, we knew it. We knew it. We knew it. We knew it. And the people who had blocked the door now made a path for this guy to dance his way out. What a fun account of faith and forgiveness and healing. What a story of the importance of seeing others who are right in our path, who need care and compassion and ultimately need Jesus. I see this play out every day in my work at the baby fold. And again, I'm not going to go on to a big, long story. I could, but, you know, we see people in need in physical need, mental, emotional, spiritual. We meet the basic needs first um, and then make sure that every child and family is safe and well. Make sure they have proper shelter, adequate food, health care, safety, security. Help them make healthy connections in their family, in their school, in their community. Get, make sure their jo- they have jobs. Make sure they're stable, all that And then I have the joy of introducing or reintroducing them to Christ. Like all of us, they have presenting problems. Hunger, um, unhealthy relationships in their families or in their community, whatever. They, They have presenting problems, and we address those in a variety of ways. But then their ultimate, ultimate need is to find Christ and let him find them. And I can make that connection with them when they're ready. Because that that help comes from the outside in, but healing comes from the inside out. And I can help facilitate that. And our kids and families watch us. And they're watching the church. The world is, too. Maybe like the paralytic watched and listened to those four friends, maybe for a long time. Watch them. And listen to their conversation. Maybe they had previous conversation, maybe about Jesus. We don't know. But I'm sure that guy was observant as he watched those four friends long before that fateful day. He watched how they treated each other and listened to what they said about this man, about him, and about Jesus. Maybe they'd talk about Jesus with him. We don't know. But there was a connection there. And that's what I get to do, make those connections Take some food to a family, listen to their story, listen to their story, and then connect. Only after that connection do I even think about sharing Jesus. Only, only after I make that connection. If you do it too soon, it just sounds preachy and pushy and disingenuous. So listen first. Um, and you might think, well, Lori, you're in a unique position to do that because you're in ministry and you, you have an opportunity to do that. Well, that's true, but you are too. You meet people all the time. The, the four friends weren't in ministry with anybody. They just had compassion and cared about people that they ran into. <laughs> and you can too. Um, we interact with people every day, but do we see them? Do we, not- do we take notice? Do we really see them? Which brings me back to Hagar. Thought I forgot her, didn't you? Um, God didn't forget Hagar, and neither did I. Hagar um, was also pitiful. I mean, geez, what a poor thing. She was a slave to Sarah, a maidservant would be the nicest way to put it, but she um, was, was her uh, servant. 
When Sarah couldn't conceive with Abram, she gave Hagar over to Abram to conceive a child and then mistreated her. So Hagar runs away and Hagar's desperate. She's alone in the desert and an angel of the Lord comes to her and he calls her by name. In, in all the scriptures, Abram and Sarah do not call her by name. They call her the maidservant. Never use her name, but God does. He says, Sarai, servant, excuse me, Hagar, servant of Sarai. He calls her by name and he knows her position. He sees her. He knows her. He knows her station. He knows her situation. And he blesses her and her offspring. In the wilderness, in her distress, God sees her and he knows it. And she recognizes that. The God who sees me, I see the God who sees me. We all have a deep need to be seen. And God sees you when you're on the mat, when you're on the roof cheering for a friend. He sees you. He knows your name. He knows your station. He knows your heart. He knows you. And he wants to connect with you. And he wants to see you connect with others. I believe it brings him joy. I really do. It brings, it brings him joy. When we see others, they, will they see a glimpse of God in our kind attention? I pray that they do. Amen.